Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your car night fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Adam Tiffany. It's back-to-back losses for the Blues as they go down to a defeated Cambridge and crash out the FA Cup at Leighton Orient. We look back on those games before looking ahead for the visit of Bristol Rovers to Brunton Park this weekend. Yes, we're back with the Brunton Beagle. We had a week off last week. It was a, a, a bit of a chaotic week at home and, and, and uh, I think neither Mike or Dan were available. I don't think I got a chance to message you, Adam, and to be honest, the time I had available to actually record was pretty limited, so we had to give it a miss. There wasn't much to talk about in the Cambridge game, as everyone will find out in a minute, though, was there? <laughs> yeah, it was a, probably a, a good week to miss out in terms of busyness for everyone but yeah obviously we'll go into the games later but as everyone who's listening will probably know they're not ones who want to uh, dwell on too much no we've got two games to cover and it'll probably be the equivalent of a one game coverage really because even in terms of chances I mean I've barely written anything down you don't get extended highlights in the same way for the FA Cup games on the iFollow so I haven't had a chance to look for the Orient one I just know that it wasn't a it wasn't a good game all round yeah. basically. So, so yeah, we'll we'll just um, leave it at that, shall we say? Um, yes. So we'll we'll get into it. Um, first up, I'll do the sponsor stuff, and then I've got a couple of shout outs to do actually. And then we've got a question of the week from Mike as well. Um, in terms of sponsors, yes, of course. Once again, this season we are sponsored by the Cali Knight Sports Club London Branch. Uh, really appreciate their support. I met a few of them before the Cambridge game actually in the, in the meetup pub that they suggested. It was a lovely to catch up with them. I also met up with the Piatics there as well. They were in, they came along to the pub, which was nice. Have a little catch with them. Yeah, well, we'll talk about them in a minute in the news section, actually, because there's a bit of news that isn't in the running order that literally has broken as we're about to record. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the London Manchester, they do lots of really good stuff for the club in terms of fundraising. They also arrange a lot of stuff for away games, for exiles and that kind of thing. Um, you can join them wherever you live in the world. You don't have to live in London or the South East. You can live in Falmouth in Cornwall or somewhere like that. You could live in, I don't know, uh, Cork in Ireland, maybe. I'm, I'm trying to pick some place off the top of my head. Oslo in Norway, if you live there. Obviously, there's Norwegian branch you can join as well. But um, yes, um, if you want to find out more about them, go to their website, carlondonbranch.org, or grab one of the guys at one of the away games uh, upcoming. Um yeah, in terms of uh, shout-outs, I want to give a quick couple of shout-outs before we do the question of the week. Um, so a couple of these have tweeted to us. If you, if you ever wanted to give a shout on the pod, just drop us an email or, or tweet us. You know, our contact is, is uh, bruntonbugle at gmail.com. Um, you can also um, find us on Twitter uh, at bruntonbugle, or X as it's called these days, at bruntonbugle. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as well, so if you want to drop us a message about any of these. Um, shout-out to Jackson Brown. Happy birthday to young Jackson Brown. This was a couple of weeks ago, so his birthday... It's a belated happy birthday, I think it's fair to say, but we understand he's a big fan of the pod, so uh, young Jackson Brown, happy birthday to you. And uh, got to give the best wishes to young Jack M- uh, Musgrave, who uh, is battling cancer. You might have seen this on the News and Star website and a few of the little bits that the club have done for him. Um, yeah, we genuinely wish him all the best and to him and his family and, and his, uh, his fight. And yeah, I'm That's sure he'll come out strong in that. I saw some lovely stuff that the club had, uh, had done for him. I think a couple of the players had gone down. I think it was... Uh, Gabe Breeze and Paul Huntington, I think, give him a few little goodies. And um, I know he had his shirt signed by Mellish, which he was very chuffed about because apparently he's told it, told everyone that cancer is going to get Mellished, and that is the best way to put it. Yes, so <laughs> all the best to young Jack. Um, 
Right, question of the week. Let's see what Mike sent us in. I have not listened to this. I have no idea what it is. So here's the question he sent us. In 2008, we beat Bristol Rovers 3-2 away on the opening day of the season. Who scored for us in that game? I think I know. At least. This is completely up to you because I was six years old. <laughs> oh, God, that makes me feel old now. God, I was not six years old then. Um, Danny Carlton got two. I'm pretty sure they were his first goals he scored for us. Because he'd been, he'd had gone the whole season, 2007, 2008, without scoring. And then he scored in that game. I want to say Joanne Yinson maybe scored the other. So that's what I'm going to go with. But we'll, we'll, we'll find out the halftime break. We'll get the answer from Mike then. Um, in the meantime, let's get into the news section. Um, a couple of bits in terms of the youth team to cover here. Um, a couple of contrasting results for them in the under-18s uh, in the FA Youth Cup. Unfortunately, lost 5-1 to Barnsley at home. They had taken the lead 1-0 in this game, but Barnsley just blew them, blew them away in the second half by the sounds of things, didn't they, Adam? Yeah, well, the, just the difference in the um, academies. I think it was probably a surprise to anybody who's following along with it that yeah. Carla did take the lead, a nice little thing, but then you saw the goals pile on for, for Barnsley. Just the, the different sizes of the club, a result like that is probably expected. Maybe not so heavy, but... Yeah, good for them to at least get a, a lead. It, it's it's probably the I think we said this before. It's one of the toughest games we could have got in the first round of the FA Youth Cup in terms of the players who or the clubs that come in at that stage. Mm. You know, they're pretty much one of the highest ranks. They're a Category Two uh, academy. We're only a Category Three. I mean, hopefully with the money that the Piatics are going to put in, we'll, we'll get ourselves up to Category Two and get some better quality players because I know Simo has been fairly critical recently, hasn't he, in terms of the academy recruitment and saying you know it's it's not up to the standard he wants at the moment. So yeah. yeah. I think with with youth recruitment, it's it's not like the first team recruitment where money comes into it so much. Yeah. I think it's you, you can partly put it down just to the area that we're in. Like we're just never mm. going to have the um, just as big of a group to to pull from, and also all the decent players end up going over to Newcastle or somewhere like that. So yeah. I think we're in a bit of a compromised to position to start with. Yeah, and that's where a good training ground will make a difference because you want mm, you want those young players to see those facilities and go. Well, actually, I don't need to go to Newcastle there. I can get my good coaching and my good facilities here in Cumbria. So, fingers crossed that'll be coming soon. Um, bit better news for them in the FA and sorry, the Cumberland, uh, the Fred Conway Cumberland Cup, I should say. Four-one um, victory at Espatria. At, played at Espatria Rugby Club's ground. About six hundred fans there for that game. Good attendance, that to be fair. Um, yeah, good result. They did go 1-0 down, but they, they came back very strongly this one. Uh, nice little touch in there. Uh, Tony Hopper's son, Dan Hopper, got two of the goals. Which is a lovely yeah. thing to see. So they're through to the next round of uh, the Cup. I think Simo had said, hadn't he, that because normally we play sort of a few first-team players in these yeah. games. I think because we're so short at the moment with the first-team squad and it was played on a rugby pitch, he wasn't really keen to take that risk, was he? Yeah. yeah, well, I know what that pitch is like. And <laughs> the fact that a team like Carly United are... Playing, you know, cup yeah. games on there was was a surprise when I when I saw that that was where it was going to be played at. But good for the lads to get and get a run out against some people who are you know going to be more physically capable than the teams they'll usually be playing against. Um, yeah, so that'll help them, even though they probably aren't up to the standards in terms of technical ability. But good for them overall to get a four-one win. Yes, definitely. Um, new appointment into the coaching team as well. It's come uh, this or last week. Um, They've replaced Jamie Ropu, left fairly recently as strength and conditioning coach. It's Adam, I forget this right, Adam Kvichen, do we think? 
You won't have a go at this as one. as good as a guess as I'd it, have. It, it's a Polish name. It's a Polish surname. Yeah, so it looks it's, like it's, it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's Kvitschen. I looked this up online and I might have got this wrong. So apologies if I got this wrong, Adam. Um, but yes, he's joined uh, the club. I think he's had a few roles at different football clubs and, and other things down south, hasn't he? So uh, good luck to him in his new role. Uh, Jordan Gibson, he was nominated for the... EFL League 2 Player of the Month for October. He's missed out to Charlton's Alfie May. Not a surprise this one, Adam, I think it's fair to say, with Alfie May's record no. in the month. Set- no, Alfie was- May's been brilliant. Yeah, he's, he's been absolutely really- brilliant. And yeah. we play Charlton relatively soon, do we not, if I remember yes. correctly? Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's the one they're hoping for a bigger crowd for, which we'll come on to in a minute. Of course, yeah. Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, you got six, seven goals in six games in the month in the league, so... I can't really argue with that, you know. Gibbo got five, I think, in six mm-hmm. or seven, I think it was. So, yeah, just just the way it goes sometimes. Um, yes. So the other bit of news that's broken, it's not even in the running order because it actually broke as I was <laughs> sending it over to you. Is um, confirmation from the club? I think this is coming the the minutes from the supporters group that the debt to Pure Pay has been sorted. It's been paid, or it's been resolved, hasn't it? By the looks of things. Yeah. Yeah. It's the well, the line from John Coleman in the News and Star is dealt with. So yes. that's pretty um, much settled, yeah. I mean, it dealt with, it could well be, look, I'm throwing out, I don't know what's happening here, but one of the solutions could have been that the Piatics could have bought that debt from PMA, yeah potentially. So that the debt is with them and they can just sort it themselves once the takeover is done, I guess. But Yeah, I mean, that would surprise me because that, I mean, that really shows financial power and a bit of a, you know, statement, you know, we're going to come in yeah. and clear the, the debt that's causing such an issue. So, I'd love that to be the case. It would surprise me, though. Um, but, I mean, the hints they've been dropping sort of suggested at this anyway. Yeah, well, the, the the hint was that basically the major hurdle had been resolved and uh, they didn't say what it was, but everyone can work out what that was really yeah. from, from the hints. And we, we saw them, at, like I said, before the Cambridge game, uh, they were in the pub, uh, Patty and um, Tom. And, yeah, it was lovely, really lovely people to chat to. I know uh, Tom said that he occasionally listens to the pod. I know Tom, too, does listen to the pod, definitely. So, yeah. Uh, Good to have them uh, listening in. Uh, we're hoping to get them on at some point. That, that's what we're hoping. Once the takeover is done, we're going to get have a chat with them. That would be really good. But um, but yeah, uh, they basically said, look, you know, it's final bit getting sorted, but we're going to be back over for the Charlton game. And um, and yeah, really looking forward to that. I know that um, I think the daughter Jenna is getting married, isn't she? I think. I don't know if it's this weekend or it was oh, last nice. weekend. But, you know, she I saw something on her Instagram feed because I think every car I found is following it, obviously. And, and Tom, <laughs> Jun- Tom Jr. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I keep saying Tom Jr. It's Tom too. I should keep reminding myself of that. But um, but yeah, no. So fantastic news. And what they did say wasn't there, as it was said there. The Charlton game's the one not to miss because they're going to be back over for that one. Yes. So I suspect that the takeover is either going to be announced before then, or maybe even on that match day potentially. I don't know. It'd be an interesting one, won't it? Yeah, I mean, we know what the Americans can be like with their sort of grandioso when it comes to sporting events. So maybe they'll take to the pitch with a bald eagle and an apple pie and that's very stereotypical but I mean yeah it'd be very interesting if they actually came out in the middle of the game and or not half time and announced it just sort of see how that would work but I feel like it's maybe going to be before the game just for logistics sake yeah and if anything to to get to bump the crowd as much as you can as well because I suspect that is going to be Maybe not a sellout, but I'd imagine there's a good chance it'll be a five-figure crowd for that one because mm. Charlton will bring a fair few up, you'd think, as well. So yeah, definitely. Be a, I know that they put the waterworks on sale for that game as well, so potentially a chance to watch the game from there. I might even do that myself because I've never been in the waterworks for a game. So I've not even. Maybe tick it off, possibly, for that match. But yeah. um, they start doing um, Jacksonville, 
Jaguars updates once the yeah, well, once the, the uh, thing the ne- gets that's, confirmed. That's the, the next stage, isn't it? Maybe get one of their players over. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't follow NFL. Enough, enough. I do. I do enjoy it watching it occasionally, but it, it's not one of those things I watch it religiously enough to know. I know quite a few Carla fans who do, so they'll know a lot better than me. And I will not start talking about it because otherwise I'm going to get myself in trouble for not knowing what I'm uh, talking about. But there you go. Um, right. Well, let's. We've got to put it off for long enough. Let's try and talk about the Cambridge and, and Leighton Orient games. Um, I mean, first up, Cambridge United won, Cal United nil. This was not a good game of football, was it, Adam? No, no, not at all. I feel for everyone who's made the, well this trip and the Leighton trip as well. And we'll get on to the Leighton game, but it was a very odd atmosphere at that one. But Cambridge just, yeah. I mean, even the highlights from all the games that are posted on the club's YouTube channel and things like that are short anyway. But I think they were really yeah. struggling to meet the two-minute marker for this, which says yeah. it all. I mean, they, they, I'm surprised they didn't show Jack Armour's first yellow <laughs> yes, to fill the space because I thought that they'll be that desperate. I, I went down to the game um, with um, Johnny, who regularly contributes to our six second reviews, and Jibby, who comes with us as well. And yeah, we, we all sort of came away from it like, oh, that was not a good result. That that was not a good performance. And I, I'll be honest with you, I just don't think it was a good game of football from either team. I think Cambridge will probably Cambridge probably edged it. They were probably slightly better side, but. Thomas didn't have that much to do either, which is, I think, probably the most frustrating thing in all of it. Yeah, it's just, it's it's one of those games where you look at it going into it and think this is a real opportunity for us to mm. sort of get out of the the relegation. It's, well, it's not even really a relegation battle at this point, but just to get ourselves in a better position compared to all the other teams that are likely to be in and around that state come the end of the season and just have a performance like that where, you know, the two sending offs and just the lack of creativity and chance is just, it's just draining. Yeah. It, 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 that lack of creativity is exactly what you're right about. You look at the stats. I mean, they've had 14 shots and three are on target. The goal, I can't think what the other two shots were. They can't have been that good because, um, <laughs> because basically I can't remember them. We had eight shots and none of them were on target. And that that yeah. that was a bit of a concern, really. I mean, we'll we'll talk about the talking points in a minute, but there wasn't much positive stake from our attacking play for this game. Um, in terms of the starting lineup, it was initially announced as an unchanged side, but unfortunately, we'll talk about injuries when we talk about the Orient game, especially. But Finn back pulling up in the warm up, having picked up a slight knock in the the previous game against Burton, wasn't it? Which they didn't think was too bad, but then he sort of. I think they reckon he picked up another one on Friday in training, but then he was actually fine to play at the weekend, but he wasn't, was he? He's, uh, so he had to miss out. Yeah, it's a concern because it's one of those ones, and they've, I think Simo was talking about it in the uh, all the pre-match stuff yesterday with all the media about yeah. how it's just still not settling down. They've got Nottingham Forest's opinion on it, just to check if there's not something that's underlying. But with something like that, we thought it was just maybe like a, a dead leg, essentially. But the fact that it's still carried over is a bit of a concern because you wonder what is actually causing it. Yeah, that that, that is that is a bit of a concern at the moment, um, especially when you think he had last season he was out for quite a bit. When you think about it, a good chunk of the first half season, then yeah. most of the second half, it's you do wonder if he's one of these players who's going to constantly get a muscle injury in his upper leg or something. Cause you do yeah, well, I think I think the one last season couldn't one be put down to Salford's pitch, but secondly, it was a lot more of a. A heavy injury in terms of it was mm. to his knee, wasn't it? So something that's more likely to put him out for longer. Whereas this, 
more alludes to your point of somebody who's maybe going to pick up injuries often but can't necessarily overcome them as easily as other players can. Um, yeah. But it's also concerned because Jack Ellis is still obviously on the mend as well. So, yeah. as you well, mentioned, hope- Ben Barkley had to fill in. Yeah, hopefully Ellis will be back soon. I don't think he'll be ready for this weekend from what we can no. gather. But Ben, I mean, Ben Barkley's more than capable of doing the job. There, oh, to yeah. Be fair, and he's, he's been pretty solid there. He came into the start 11 and Corey Whelan took his place on the bench, having travelled as the 19th man for this game. Um, in terms of yeah, the goals, major instances, I mean, the goal's just a really sloppy one to concede, isn't it? That That's too many goals like this this season, I think. And yeah. It comes from Callum Guy. Actually wins the ball quite well from a Cambridge throw-in. And he tries to play a far too aggressive pass for Gibson. Their man steps in, wins the ball, plays it down the right. And, and the ball comes into the box. And I couldn't really tell this from where we were sat behind the goal. Or watching back the highlights, Owen Moxon just does not track his man at all, does he? Well, goal. it looks like the whole defence from the highlights just get pulled over to that left-hand side, which just leaves yeah. that massive space. Um, but yeah, obviously the pass from Callum Guy is something that really uh, was prevalent in his game in his few, uh, first few yeah. years at the club where he's picking up the ball in okay, sort of more defensive areas and then giving it away. Um, I, I mean, from the highlights, it didn't seem like a horrendous pass, but from everyone who was commenting on it at the time said, like, what is he doing? Um, but yeah, it's I think just... it's a calamity in the combining of many different poor errors. I, I think he's just trying to be a little bit too aggressive for the pass for Gibson. And I do wonder if that's a case of because we're creating so little, he feels that like he has to be even more of a creative player than he actually normally is. His normal yeah. job is to, to screen and win the ball back and, and play out. And then occasionally have, you know, a dig from distance, which he's pretty good at. But um, yeah, he just tried a little bit too much for that one. And obviously they win the ball back and it, it leads to the goal. Um, talk about the red cards. Could you argue too much about these? First up, Jack Armour? No. I mean, I haven't seen the the first booking because it wasn't. I didn't either because I, 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 I was I was still behind finishing off my pint behind the thing, and I came back around. I was like, oh, they've got a free kick. I didn't realise he'd been booked and already. So for me, it was a bit of a shock when he got his second booking. Yeah, but the second one, it's it's one. I think it's also it's not one that he needs to take. He needs yeah. to be aware that he's on a yellow card, and he also needs to be aware that Mellish is. Yeah. It's not like he's thrown goal. Like there is defenders yeah. behind him, so he doesn't need to take that. I think it's just it's a stupid challenge um, to get two bookings in that manner. Isn't great, um, and yeah, there's no argument from me. Yeah, it's it's frustrating as well because he's, he's you know we're big fans of Jack. He's usually so solid and reliable, and he just it's one of those ones whenever a player gets a booking like that, it just feels so frustrating. You're just wondering, what are you doing? And it, I suppose it's just instinct sometimes, isn't it, to try and pull the player back, I guess. Yeah, well, it's something that I remember Simo alluding to last year with Mellish, where he, I think he was on four yellow cards. It might have been the mm. game against Tranmere where he picked up a fifth one and he was like, I don't mind players, you know, who are necessarily taking one for the team and it's, you know, preventing a goal or whatever yeah. to take a yellow card and then that leads to them getting suspended. But when it's ones like that where it's not necessary, that's when it really annoys people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the second red, Alfie McCallman's. I mean, letter of the law, yeah, it's a high foot. He's, catched, I mean, he's caught the leg of the neck, to be fair. So it's it, a red card. But oh, it's one of those ones for me where he's trying to call. I don't think he knows the players there almost, isn't he? It's, he's not quite the blind side, but he's just trying to bring the ball down, isn't he? And the player steps in and I suppose the ref's got to give it in the end, doesn't he? Yeah, it's not It's not one that's necessarily because of intent. Yeah. He's not intending to try and you know kick the lad in the chest yeah. or whatever, but 
when your foot's that high and you actually connect with players because we've seen it before where yeah. you know things like that are around that height but the boot to the uh, connection with the other player isn't actually made with that he fully connected with him so I think it, the referee really had little choice um, in mm. that scenario yeah it's, it's one of those ones I think, I think back to the Tranmere game that we drew 2-2 a couple of years ago where Tranmere player got sent off for similar on Rod McDonald I yeah. think that was slightly different in that Rod was the one in control of the ball really at that point whereas Alfie was the one sort of in control of the ball trying to bring it down and the player steps in but I, I, I'm not going to argue that it. it's a red card. It's just frustrating that it's a free game ban as well because it's classed as violent conduct. So he will yeah. miss this weekend's game and the uh, Barnsley game as well next week. So a bit frustrating that because we are short on numbers, especially with what happened in the Orange game, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, other than that, very little to report. I mean, the only chance I could see in the highlights was Dan Butterworth's chance, which was a good bit of play by Armour down the left and a ball in me. And he just sort of clips the ball rather than sort of gets a decent strike in it, doesn't it? And it goes wide of the post. And that's really it for United, isn't it? Yeah, that was it. I mean, the fact that we had no shots on target speaks volumes. Um, and the fact that that was the best chance and, in fact, the only chance that was shown in the sort of brief highlights is, uh, yeah, it's it's not a good thing when you're really struggling for chances like that against a team who you'd hope is, you know, in and around where you should be in terms of level. I mean, they were in dreadful run of form, weren't they? And, you know, as mm. usual, Carl United <laughs> Let, lets them get back into good form for this one, don't they? Um, it, maybe maybe it's one we'll talk about in the Orient thing, actually, because it's because it, we can wrap up some, some of these points there. But, um, yeah, just look a bit toothless in attack, really, don't they, in this game? That, that That's the frustrating thing. And Joe Garner's doing an OK job there as target man, but you do wonder if there maybe needs to be a rethink at some point as to what we actually do up there, possibly. Yeah, I, I just come back to the point of who else? What yeah. other option is there? And yeah. I know a lot of people, and I do quite find it quite funny the people who are making the jokes about 80th minute with one or two nil down and the automatic thing of Plange and Edmonton coming on. Yeah. It always happens. I just I don't think either of them have shown more than Garner, um, which is sad to say. We're just we're just gonna have to hold out until JJ Coyote gets back, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, we won't talk much more about the Cambridge game because, like I said, it wasn't a good game of football. Um, just a quick roundup of the uh, League One results from that weekend. Uh, Barnsley 2, Fleetwood 2, pretty straightforward that one, that one. Peterborough beating uh, Blackpool 4-2 away from home. Um, Bristol Rovers got a 2-1 win over Northampton. Northampton are struggling a bit, aren't they? They're really struggling to find form. Yeah. And they went out of the FA Cup to Barrow as well. So it goes to show we're not the only promoted side that's not having a great time of it so far, yeah, yeah. I think it's fair to say. Um Burton nil, late Orient nil. I bet that was a barn burner of a game. Um, uh, Charlton lost two 0 at home to Bolton. Um, shows how good Alfie May's been this month, isn't it? If he, he didn't even score in that game, um, yeah. we struggled in that game because of just the pure mass and size of Ricardo Santos. Yeah. Them two up against each other was just a bit of a mismatch. Yeah. Um, Exeter one, Char- uh, sorry, Exeter one, Lincoln City one. Uh, Oxford got a two-two draw at home against Wickham. Cheltenham, 2-1 win at Port Vale. That's a bit worrying that they're starting to find a bit of fun, isn't it? You'd, you'd have thought maybe they were cut adrift, but Darwell Clark already working some magic's probably the wrong word, but, you know, t- turning things around a little bit there. Um, Portsmouth got a 3-2 win at Reading. Reading really are struggling, aren't they? They're, they're a team. Yeah. You look at that game this month, that's a big one, isn't it? The away game down there. Well, Portsmouth pulled it out of the fire because they were 2-0 mm. down. Um, mm. I think they scored the winner in... Very late on, I don't know if it was into stoppage time or not, yeah. but yeah, Reading 
I thought were going to be sort of like Wigan wear because yeah. it's pretty much. I mean, people knew it already, but they're not our battle this season. You know, yeah. they're going to be at least mid-table, I'd say. But Reading genuinely do look like they're in a lot of trouble. But yeah. with their, they're sorting out their ownership as well, so things could turn around yeah. for them, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, Stevenage, great result for them. 3-1 home win against uh, Derby County. They've uh, arrested a little bit of a slump in form. And uh, Wigan getting themselves back into a bit of form as well. 2-0 whenever Shrewsbury, who really are struggling as well this season. Their team, we could potentially look to drag into it, hopefully, in the near future. Um, on to the FA Cup then. Uh I've seen the first round for the first time in I think nine seasons. Leighton Orient three, Cal United one. Um, I mean, when this draw was made, this was one of those ones you look. For, oh, you just you don't want a team in your own division, and you don't want them away from home in the first round of the cup, do you? And you don't want the one that's beat you the day before. Exactly, exactly. It's it. As soon as the draw was made, I was kind of like, oh, we're probably going out there, aren't we? I didn't feel overly confident because the form's not particularly great, and then to draw them as well, but they just seem to have some sort of, like a hex over us, don't they really? I think it's fair to say. Yeah, well, they've just got a, they're a very different team to the one that got promoted last season. They're a lot more um, sort of rigid. They're not sort of free-flowing on the ball and more defensively sound. And they've still got the quality players, um, you know, to to punish you for moments of of lapses. but it was a from what my my brother was there, and he said it was a really odd atmosphere because basically two stands were closed. Yeah. So that's why the attendance was what was it just under four thousand. Yeah, this is the thing. Whenever you draw a team in your own division in the in the cup, you're always likely to have a, a shit crowd, aren't you? Really, you're always likely that people are going to go. Well, we played them in the league anyway. It's nothing exciting about that. It's only the real diehards who are going to go to the game, aren't they? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's an odd one. I had a look at potentially going down on the train and I was just like, for, what, 60, 70 quid return to go watch us in the cup and probably get knocked out? And I, I, I just left it in the end. I, I went to watch Prescott Cables against Witness instead. That's what I spent my uh, Saturday afternoon doing. So um, that was great fun. Um, yeah. Enforced changes in this one for United. Um, obviously, I'm going to start due to suspension. So Jack Robinson came in. For a start, um, Dylan McGeek back on the the bench um, to replace McCallum there. But United could only name six subs for this one, which quite telling. And Simo is very clear; he doesn't want to stick youth team players in there for the sake of it. it was he? You know, they've got to earn their place there. And as a result, we went there a little bit short-handed. Um, I think they had the full nine, possibly. Or I'm not 100 certain on that. But um, yeah, the only other change obviously was uh, Gabe Breeze coming off the bench as uh, Reading didn't want. Uh, Jockel Anderson to be cup tied, even though he's on a season long loan. So that maybe gives you an indication of what might be happening in January with him, possibly, doesn't it? Yeah. I yeah, I mean he's not he's he's completely fell out of favour, even though obviously he was brought in in vision of Simo to replace Holy, but I think it's yeah. just it's gone flat as a pancake. Yeah. It's it's really not worked out that moving, it's fair to say. Um Let's talk about the goals and Madrid since I haven't actually realised I didn't finish writing down the notes for the other goals, but they're fairly straightforward. Um, penalty to open the scoring after 11 minutes for them. Looked a fair decision. Maybe there's an argument that Lavelle's being pulled down and he ends up kicking the lad in the head as a result, but one of those ones. I don't think the rest likely to give it for the slight pull, is he? I think it's a bit harsh. And as soon as it happened, my brother messaged me to say it's never a penalty. Um, mm. He was in the ground, obviously. I don't know what view he had of it. Um, but 
it's it's one of those what I don't know if he actually connected with him. I couldn't really tell from the highlights, yeah. but I think it's it's one where it's, what, if what, it gets given, you can't really go. Well, that's that's not a penalty at all. Yeah. But I, I think you probably shouldn't be giving them. Yeah, it's one of those ones. Once you put your foot up there, even if you don't make a full connection, the ref is likely to give it as an either player goes down holding his head. So, yes, yeah, pick up stepped up and uh, very comfortable penalty, wasn't it? Very confident with his little uh, sort of Bruno Fernandez style skip. Yeah, at the it's, end. but it's, I think he sort of stutter steps on the same foot. If I mm. unless I watched it wrong, it looked for me like he went rather than doing a little jump, doing like a yeah, yeah going from the one foot to the same foot. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think you can tell from the tone of this podcast how the last two weeks have gone. Just not, it's, not that, it's not that great, is it, to talk about those two games? It's tough. No. We, we can't talk about a goal, though. We did score one goal in these two games, and it was, it was actually quite a nice little goal, I thought. Um, so into the second half, Simmer had made the changes, and I think Corey Whelan came on, and he, he switched to a, uh, a back three. Um, and uh, I think Barkley went to the left side of the back three, and Mellish pushed into midfield. And it was actually Barkley who set the goal up with a nice sort of in-swinging cross from the left. Joe Garner makes a connection with it, heads it back across the keeper and into the back of the net. And at that point, United were on top, weren't they? By the sound of it. I was sort of listening into it and it sounded like we were the better side at that point. Yeah, it was a beautiful cross from Barkley. Almost sort of Moxon-esque mm. in the uh, second leg of the uh, playoff semi-final. Yeah. He's whipped it in, I mean, a lot higher and obviously found Garner, good header across the keeper. But yeah, those first sort of five minutes or that at least that first stint of the first second half, rather. Yeah. Um, Carlos seemed to be on top. But as we'll get on to, it seems like as soon as that goal went in, for some reason, the momentum flipped the other way. Where yeah. we scored and then just I, completely died off. I think the tactical switch pushing Melish into midfield worked for us. And then I know Richie Wellens, I think he realised that that was causing problems and he, he responded to that by making a sub himself. And I think when he made that change, that's what flipped it back in their favour they suddenly got a bit more of the ascendancy and uh, Drinnard got the uh, goal that gave Orient the lead again um, bit of play down the right ball into, it's a good finish I think we need to get tighter on the crosser and, and maybe Corey needs to be a little bit sharper in terms of dealing with Drinnard but then that's the that's the disadvantage of someone like Whelan coming in who's not really played much this season has he so he's not yeah, going to be thought, as sharp I thought he had a, a poor game from mm. from what I saw of, of the of the match. Um but like you said, you know, expecting somebody to come in who's not had much game time, who's, you know expected to come in in a position that he's not necessarily his best one. Um it's always going to be a tough ask. It, it takes a bit of time to get up to speed wheelers because you think last season he was kind of in and out of the team, so it wasn't as bad. He, he had that sharpness there. He played in the cup games, and then he came in and had long stints in the team. He's now coming in for one game here and there at the moment when he does mm. come in, and I, I think it's a bit much to expect him to suddenly be at, at full pelt. We know we've got Huntington hopefully fit again soon, so maybe he'll probably step up to be that player who can do yeah. that instead. And I think it's a bit easier for him with his experience and age to do that, but yeah, yeah. it's a bit much for Corey. Yeah, I'd imagine so, and... Yeah, with Whelan, I think you're right that it's. But I think that's probably true of most players where they can't necessarily just come into a team after spells out and you know look mm. completely up to it. Um, but I think that's just the state of the squad where Simo doesn't necessarily trust everyone, so he can't. It doesn't feel like he can rotate and still have that quality. Um, yeah. 
So I think that speaks to yeah. the state of the squad at the moment. I mean, we did push forward to try and get the um, the equaliser, but uh, we got hit on the break. Uh, Satoria scored his second goal against us this season. Shot through the legs of um, Hurley. Not really much he could have done with the power on it. So, uh, yeah, a bit frustrating that one to go out of the cup in the first round. You know, potential... To be fair, what do we miss out on? We missed out on an away trip to Chesterfield. That would have been yeah. a banana skin. <laughs> so oh, kind of, part of me's kind of a, that could have been a massive embarrassment. Part of me's kind of glad, like, like uh, massive probably be a little bit harsh, but I know in the sense of losing to a team two divisions below, but a team that's very well resourced. Mike Jones, no doubt, scoring the winner probably in that game. The, the way it was yeah. Been, but, uh, yeah, but this is the thing: you look at the way that they're playing, and they are dominating that league. Yeah. And you look at the team that's comprised of the likes of. Mike Jones, Ollie Banks, who last played in League Two a couple of years ago. I mean, the fact that we'd go into that game potentially and think, oh, this is going to be a tough one. I mean, that really speaks of the quality of the National League now, but also just the lack of confidence in our squad. Yeah, definitely. Um, Right, let's get into some talking points then. Um, Simo was not happy after this one again. Didn't feel like it felt like... Because I think he'd said, like, oh, some people had said that we'd... um, no one's really battered the season. Well, that's probably the first time someone has battered us. That seemed quite harsh from what I heard from some people at the game. That, that suggested that actually it was a fairly balanced game. They just got the edge in a few little areas. So I wouldn't maybe harsh to say that we got battered by them. I don't know. Your brother was there, so you probably know a bit, bit, bit better than me, I guess. Yeah. Thing. Well, he said, yeah, battered seems like a the the wrong words. It's mm. the most dejected I've seen him in mm. since he's come back in a post match interview. He just looked like, oh god, what what am I going to do with this? Yeah. Like he just he just didn't he seemed a bit sort of out of ideas at the end. Um, but yeah, my brother said it, it, we looked promising after like in and around the goal, but afterwards, you know, there wasn't really much come from it. First half mm. didn't really swing either way too heavily. So yeah, I think bad's probably a bit of a harsh way to put it. Yeah, I'd agree with that one. Um, we've got to talk about the injuries, haven't we? And the big one, unfortunately. Yeah, um, the injury. When I was at that Prescott game, uh, my mate was listening in on the commentary and he goes, oh, guys, down, this doesn't sound good. Oh, this doesn't sound good at all. And I went and looked on Twitter and see the tweets were in. A lot of people saying like he's staying down. He's not the kind who stays down like that you know he, you know he gets his knocks and that but he generally gets up and carries on and it sounded like the orient players and the united players were a bit distressed about it and at first i thought oh god he's broken his leg or something i have to say thankfully but sometimes almost a broken leg's better than and than getting a knee injury in it. and as it's been confirmed by now by simo it's an acl and it's a nine to ten months he's gonna be out for this is a real blow isn't it yeah he's been one of the players who I think has come up and adapted well yeah. to this league. He's had a couple of moments where, you know, he's lost the ball. Well, like in at Cambridge, where he's lost the ball in bad areas. Mm. But I think he's probably been one of the more consistent players in this squad. Um, I also feel bad for him because it's his second major uh, major injury yeah. since joining Carlisle because he got one just before COVID. If he did, yeah, I remember correctly. That now, yeah. Um, and yeah, as soon as I saw the tweets saying you know that it was off the ball and um yeah. stretcher coming out i was like oh he's done something to his knee yeah because yeah. things like that are sort of only point to one thing it has to be something serious yeah it's it, you're right you say he's, he's one of the ones who's adapted the most to this step up level definitely 
I'd argue in his whole what three or four years he's been with us, he's probably been one of our most consistent performers throughout that whole time. He had that little yeah. dip off in the Chris Beach second season where he was made captain, and I don't think he really adapted to that as well. I think taking that off him was one of the best things that happened because he could concentrate on his game and he, and he really upped his game again. Yeah, well, um, to be honest, I, I think he was given captain to keep him away from Wrexham. <laughs> Possibly, I feel like that yeah. was probably the reason just Possibly, to keep yeah. him around. I've got an interesting point on Wrexham in a minute, actually. I, um, I, I tweeted about it the other day because uh, I went to see a podcast recording. I heard some interesting story about us linked to that. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, one of those ones is one of the areas as well we really could do have an injury in the moment because obviously Jaden Harris is out on loan and Simo probably doesn't think he's ready for League One and well, he got himself sent off in the FA Cup at the weekend, I noticed that. Um, yeah. he's uh, And he got subbed after what? 25 minutes in the previous game so he's certainly um, involved to say the least isn't he Jaden Harris he's in the game stuck he's in. played in yes he does he loves the booking um, but yes obviously he's out uh, Taylor Charters is still a what, couple of weeks at least away from returning um, yeah it, and Alfie's obviously suspended it, Dylan McGee just returning from injury it, it's not an ideal time to have a lot of injuries in midfield is it no not at all and the McCalmont uh, suspension really compounds it as well. Yeah. It wouldn't be too bad if, yeah. with McGeoch coming back, if McCalmont was available, just to have that extra option. But but we have somebody you can't stick in midfield, and no. because he what he can't do the defensive role. But also with yeah. Guy, he's the one that sort of sits back Screams, and sweeps yeah. up. I don't know whether McGeoch's going to have the mobility to do that as well. So I've, yeah. a change in system might be yeah. yeah. So a change in system might be enforced again. On on Butterworth, do you? I thought after the Burton game, yes, you've got to. Um, for me, you've got to keep him in the team. You've you've got to, you know, stick with your winning team. I look back now, and maybe I was a bit wrong on that one. Maybe you look for an away game; it wasn't right for him. Do you think we can carry a player like him as a sort of number ten sort of player at, at the moment when we're not when we're struggling, we're battling, trying to get away from you know being dragged into that relegation zone further. Do you think we can really use him in, in most games? I, I feel like he he's almost a bit of a luxury player at times for us at the moment. And I think we have to maybe have a rethink about what, what we do in terms of that. I think with Guy out, having Butterworth and Gibson in the same team is going to be tough. Yeah. Because it's two players who... And Gibson's been brilliant, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I think everyone could admit his defensive work rate and you know his levels of getting about the pitch aren't what they could be. I think they're uh, much better games. than Butterworth, though, to be fair. I think yes. they're better yeah, than yeah, they yeah, used definitely. to be. Definitely I improved. just think with them both in the same squad, it really hampers you defensively. Um, but it's nice to see that Butterworth is actually, over the last couple of weeks, been one of the players who's looked decent going forward. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right that playing him can be a bit of a liability defensively. I don't think we've necessarily got the cover to make up for it. Yeah, I, I I agree with you on that one. I think that there needs to maybe a little bit a little bit of a relook there in terms of what we do. We'll talk about that when we preview the Bristol Rovers game. But um, yeah, the injury to Guy really devastating news, and it does mean because he, he's not going to have the operation until I think start of December. He hopefully be back for some time round about pre season next summer. Um, I know he's still got what, two and a half years left on his contract. I think <coughs> so. He should he should be fine. Hopefully, you know, in terms of getting himself back, and you know, he's done it before and. You know, we're big fans of his and we wish him all the best um, in terms of getting back to fitness. You mentioned Dylan McGeoch there. Nice to see him though back in action, wasn't it? You know, it's been a, it's been a while and he's, he's had a, a real stop-start. I mean, when I say stop-start, it's been pretty much a stop, hasn't it? Start to his career at Cal United. 
I, we saw a bit of that quality in pre-season and hopefully we'll get to see a bit more of that now. Yeah, it's just keeping him fit. That's the main yeah. thing. And I think that's, to be fair, the same with most of the midfield at the moment. But he's obviously got quality. I mean, he yeah. won Forest Green's Player of the Year last year. He's played for Celtic. Yeah. That goal that he scored in the Champions League has been going all over Twitter because <laughs> it was, I don't know how many years ago it was since, since yeah. it happened. But he's obviously got ability. Um, yeah. It's just consistency, both with performance and minutes. Because I think when he played, I think it was against Accrington or one of the cup yeah. games, he wasn't very good. So mm. I think it's just embedding him into the squad properly because he's really not played much. No, he hasn't. You're right. And like I said, it's pretty much been stop rather than stop start so far, unfortunately. Um, a lot of people obviously talk about the idea of um, bringing free agents in. Um, I see one of the ones you had suggested in your article, Adam, has joined uh, someone else. I think it was Tom Pett signed for someone the other day and I think one of the other has gone somewhere, possibly. Well, Dominic Gape went to... Oh, I can't remember. I think he went to a League Two. He went he went to Sutton, actually. Sutton, um, that's the one. Yes, you're right. Um I think it was maybe a couple of days or the day yeah. after we put out the podcast. Um, but I think with the problem with, from what I'm hearing of getting free agents is getting them to Carlisle. Um, I think yes. if, for people who are in that position now where they don't have a club, you know, they're not going to, unless they're really desperate, they're not going to go somewhere where they're yeah. not going to be happy. And I think that is one thing we have to consider as fans. You know, footballers are like, it's like asking, you know, with you, say with your job, if you got asked to move to, you know, a different part of the country you'd never been before and you knew you were only going to be there for maybe a year, would you take that risk? Yeah. You probably Sometimes wouldn't. You've got so. to, don't you? But it's, but yeah, Tom Tom Pett has signed for Cheltenham. I'll just double check that again. He yeah, signed for them recently. Um, I heard a rumour, I'm not going to name the player because of, we might go, who told me, I don't know, but I heard a rumour that we were, we we inquired about a, a free agent who's played at championship level for a lot of his career. Um, I think I know who you mean. And he wanted twice the money that we could offer. So I think that yeah. probably tells you what where we are in terms of that kind of thing. So it's, it's frustrating in terms of, um, you know, being able to get players in. I do wonder, because I've been thinking about this more and more, I thought, oh, we do need to get players in. Because Kevin Stewart was a player who was linked with us as well, wasn't he? I think he, he allegedly was training with us, was the rumour. I don't know how true that was, but he's not played for a year. So you, you expect him yeah. to come in and just hit the ground running? He's not going to, is he, really? Um, in terms of free agents, I've almost reached the point now where I think we'd be better off just leaving it for now. Wait until... Try, trying to keep ourselves as much in touch as we can wait till January and get some actual genuine quality in from other clubs and we've got a, hopefully a little bit of money to spend and bring in some decent players because you look at what Gillingham did last season, they did similar, didn't they? They kept themselves in touch mm. near the bottom of League Two and then were able to actually bring in some genuine quality from other League Two clubs and got themselves away from the bottom as a result, didn't they? So. And also the thing of bringing in free agents now is like with Stewart, who hasn't played, I mean, he's not played football for longer than most have, yeah. but... They've not been playing, you know, league football since potentially May. You know, yeah. getting up to that level with fitness and, you know, getting integrated into the group, I think it'd probably take a month for them to properly get up to speed. So, you know, by the time, say if they signed today, we're into, you know, close to mid-December. You've yeah. only got to wait another two weeks then before you can potentially start bringing in players, you know, whether it be loans or yeah. 
Coyote's back on run about then as well. So, you know, there's, exactly. there's a player back in the squad. Exactly. So I think with, unless you, there's someone who is available, who you just think, right, he's going to be good enough. Like we know yeah. he's going to be good enough. Just once he gets up to speed, there's no point taking a risk with a lo- uh, not a loan, a free agent right now, because we yeah. are getting closer and closer to that January window. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, it's, it, it's getting to the point now where I'm like, I still stand by what I said. No one's battering us. We're, we're fairly solid defensively. We can try and cut some of those mistakes. Even if we grind out two or three nil nils in that time, I'll be happy with that. Show that we're tight and then show, right, if we can add a bit of quality in attack, add that to the defensive tightness, we can potentially get ourselves away from trouble. I think that's what Gilliam did last season. They barely conceded any goals. That was the thing, wasn't it? In yeah. terms of they just couldn't score goals. And then when in January, they got a few players in and got themselves away from the bottom. So that that's what I'd be looking at definitely in terms of uh, trying to turn things around uh, for us. Um not a huge amount else to cover in terms of this. I think, I think we've pretty much uh, gone through it all. I'll, I'll tell my little Wrexham story now. So I, I um, last weekend on a Sunday night, went to see a recording of uh, the Socially Distant Sports Bar uh, podcast, which is the one that's done by uh, Ellis James, Mike Bubbins and Steph Guerrero, um, three Welsh guys. It's very funny if you haven't listened to it. Um, well worth going to. And they did it in Wrexham. And uh, one of the guests was Humphrey Carr, who's one of the guys involved in Wrexham for anyone who's watched uh, Welcome to Wrexham. Um, and he was talk- they were talking to him about, you know, how did you get involved? You know, because you're not, you know, from a football background, really. But and really interesting. And then they got to play, well, how how come Wrexham? Why did you pick Wrexham? He said, well, basically, we came up with a list of like eight or nine clubs, I think it was. And we had like, pros and cons and things. And so he said, like, uh, I think he started off and said, well, uh, Aldershot was one of them. But that was just done there because it was the first one alphabetically in the National League. <laughs> and he basically, they basically said, we looked in, like you said, it's close to London, but there's not much there. Uh, he did actually use a phrase to describe what was there, but I can't really repeat it on, on here. Um, he said, Hartlepool was another. And then I sat with Johnny, who does six section reviews for us, and he just then blurted out, uh, Carlisle was another. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> That's good to know. We could have had Hollywood money and a Disney Plus documentary on us for the last few years if that had been uh, done. So I don't know how far they got in terms of, did they speak to, to the club or anyone possibly? I'm not, not, not sure, but essentially, yeah. Um, they they potentially nearly bought us. And and it sounds like we were probably one of the ones who were close to the top of the list because he mentioned a little bit more about us in terms of, you know, Wrexham didn't own any of their infrastructure. Carlisle did own all of theirs, but unfortunately their ground floods every year, which it's a little harsh because I don't think it does. I think the pitch occasionally gets a bit of flooding, but it recovers very quickly. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I think considering the amount of flooding we get, our pitch is actually pretty decent. Oh, it's just it's obviously the uh, proximity to the to the river. Um, yeah. But yeah, I saw your tweet and I was I was very conflicted because I really don't like Wrexham, <laughs> but obviously it would have come with the you know the. The spending power and the excitement as much as the, anything, you know, it really yeah. lifted that. I mean, yeah, when, when you but go we've there, we've got the Piatak, so sod them. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, they'll be really good. And, and to be fair, like when you go to Wrexham, everyone's clearly buzzing about the football club there, and you know, look at the crowds again. So you can you can see the difference. And part of me really wants to hate them for what they've done there, and like, like they're just throwing money in it. But actually, they come across really well in all the stuff, and you kind of like. Oh, you, you stop actually coming across well here. I'd, I'd rather you, you were just, you know, totally out of touch. But but there you go. So yeah, that that's the little Wrexham story I've got. Um, I don't think there's anything else to cover in terms of the games, is there, Adam? I think we no, just put ourselves through it enough. Please. Yes, let's take a <laughs> let's take a break, and we'll be back to talk about the Bristol Rovers game. Hi, I'm Thomas Holy, and you are listening to Brunton Bugle. 
Yes, into the second half of the show, and it's time to preview the league game against Bristol Rovers at Brunton Park this weekend. No opposition pod. Again, just haven't had time to arrange something with anyone for this one. I will source something for Barnsley next week. I'm hoping to do that because we haven't played Barnsley in years and years and years, so it'll be good to talk to one of their fans ahead of the game. Um, let's go back and listen to Mike's question again, and we'll get an answer for that. In 2008, we beat Bristol Rovers 3-2 away on the opening day of the season. Who scored for us in that game? So that was the question there. I'm pretty sure Danny Carlton got a brace, and I I want to say Joanne Yinsa got the other. Him or Scott Doby, maybe? I'm not sure. I'm trying to think. Joe Garner had gone by then, I'm pretty sure. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go with two goals for Danny Carlton and Joanne Yinsa with the other. So let's see what the answer was. Danny Carlton scored a brace, and Mark Bridge Wilkinson scored the other. Mark Bridge Wilkinson, there you go. I was two thirds right on my answer there, but then good question there. That's decent effort. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, pretty happy. Right, Bristol Rovers, Adam. Um, I had a look through their squad when I was preparing the stuff for this. They've got some real quality in there, especially in attack, haven't they? I'm I, I, quite surprised yeah. how much they've struggled. Probably a bit harsh, but they've really underperformed the season, haven't they? I think it's fair to it's say it's a bloody good squad. I don't know how they are in the position that I mean obviously Joey Barton wasn't doing very well, yeah. that's why he got sacked. But some of the names on this list is frightening. Yeah. I think Joey Barton clearly is gonna be we're gonna highlight probably was the problem there. Um did you see the interview he did after their game against Stevenish the other week? Um, no. I think he called uh, he called Steve Evans a weeble. <laughs> he said, Well, you see the fat man wandering onto the pitch there like oh, a little actually, weeble. Yes, or I did like see that, that. yeah, yeah. He was sacked a few days later, wasn't he? So that probably tells you what you need. I think they're like, come on, like, you know, grow up a little bit there. So, uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, quality. I mean, attack is. I mean, look at let's look for these attackers here. I kill for at least one or two of these players. You got Scott Sinclair. You know, he's, he's played at the highest level. You know, playing in the Champions League for Celtic, hasn't he? Um, Luke Thomas, pretty decent player. Giovanni Brown, who's a great player at um, Exeter. Controversial, off the field, off, off the field, slightly controversial, shall we say? Aaron Collins was one of the best players in the division last season. Mm. You know? I think he, did he win Player of the Year? Actually, I think EFL for oh, League I, One. I don't think so because I, 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 I think so. Alfie May scored twenty odd, and he. Only, I think Aaron Collins maybe only got Baker's dozen ish, but he might have done. But yeah, yeah some yeah. of the other names on that list are ridiculous. Chris Martin, who was well, they signed in free agency or well, as a free agent. Um, yeah. Because. Who's been playing in the um, championship for basically the last decade? Yeah, so that's a played ridiculously the, good thing. Playing the Premier League for Norwich as well. If I imagine that, I'm pretty sure he did. Who Martin? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I thought he'd spent like a, just a straight decade at championship mm-hmm. level, but you might You're, be right. You might be right. Aaron Collins did win League One Player of the Season last year. I just checked it there. So I think he had a ridiculous season where he scored. I think he, I'm just looking here. I can't see his stats. Uh, to be fair, I think he might have got. As many assists as he did goals. Yeah, he had a ridiculous season. I think for for Bristol Rovers out of nowhere, and they didn't. You know, they were nowhere near promotion or anything. But he just really stood out. Um, yeah, uh, Chris Martin. I'm going to look him up while we're talking as well. Yeah, I'm I'm, fa- I'm fairly sure. Chris, I type Chris Martin, and what comes up, of course, it's the call play singer, isn't it? Not the footballer. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it here. He where was it? Was he at Norwich? He was at Norwich from 2006 to 2013. So I'm sure he will have played in the Premier League at some point because Norwich yeah, were up and down all that time. 
Um, and then, like I said, he, he spent the next seven years at Derby County. He's 35 now, but I mean, three goals in seven games already. You know, it shows you know that, he, that you, we'd kill for just one player like that, wouldn't we? Just add a little Definitely. bit more to our attack. Definitely. And then John Marcus. <laughs> He's like, he, he was a ridiculously good player at um, Portsmouth and other clubs, wasn't he? And I don't know too much about Harvey Greenslade. I'm guessing maybe he's a young player for them, possibly. I'm not sure. I'm going to look yeah. stupid now. He's, he's probably a really good player I've never heard of. But yeah, attack. That's so and much that's quality. Just, yeah. And that's just the attack. And then you look at the rest of the squads. Anthony Evans, very good player. Yes, definitely. George Friend in defence, very good player. Matthew yeah. Cox on loan from Brentford, goalkeeper. Very good player. He's been really good for them this year. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. You struggle to think how they've got into the situation that they're currently in. Yeah. But I, there's I, there's no conceivable way, in my mind, that they get dragged into any sort of relegation battle because they've no. just got too many good players. You could have someone from you know a leisure centre managing them, and they'd probably still survive. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at if we if we win actually at the weekend, we'd only be three points behind them. They're on twenty points. We go up to seventeen. So. It is still quite tight down there, but I agree with you. I can't see them getting dragged in. I mean, they are only six points off the playoffs if you look at the other direction as well. So with a game in hand on, on Stevenage, who are in sixth. Um, yeah, even I'm just looking at midfield again as well. More players are naming it. I'm just naming players, but it's Jordan Rossiter. You know, he was someone who was really highly thought of, wasn't he, at Liverpool back in the day? And he, he, mm. he was at Rangers for a bit as well, possibly. I seem to remember. Oh, I don't know. But yeah, the, 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 like I said, the, the, there's so much quality in there. That really they should be doing. Connor Taylor, they've got in defence. They paid three hundred and fifty grand to Stoke in the summer to sign him permanently. You know, yeah. that that's twice our or more than twice our record signing. I mean, hope. Mm. I, I, look, I don't want one of these people who brags about you know how much our club spends. Hopefully, we'll start spending somewhere near to that soon to bring some quality players into us. <laughs> yeah. hope. But, well, obviously, we were talking yeah. about getting or breaking that record in the summer for. JJ, well, I think it was pretty much confirmed that it was JJ they were looking to buy. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, obviously, never came to be and got him on loan. But I think there's definitely going to be more spending power with the yeah. uh, the Piatacks. We hope. Yeah, Andy Mangans, the uh, caretaker manager. I think he's actually done okay so far. Sort of rested a bit of that slide. Um, some interesting results recently. One-one um, draw with uh, Reading in midweek. Um, Reading had taken the lead through Sam Smith, but uh, Chris Martin got his third goal in seven games for them to to make it um, 1-1. I did see something from this game. One of their fans lobbed a firework into the home end, one of the Bristol Rovers fans. Not, not particularly clever. Yeah, not particularly clever. That We can't really complain about that. Some behaviour some of our fans recently, unfortunately. But um, yeah. On the note of strange fan behaviour, can yeah. we mention the Barrow Tifo? that they put up for the Halloween game against Morecambe. Yeah. The, what was it, your nightmare on Holker Street? Yeah. I like the idea of the theme, but then, like, why is it so much focused on Morecambe and not your own team? And why is it not in your own club colours? I know they'll say, oh, we've gone for the nightmare on whatever street, Elm Street, um, colours, but it just looks a bit odd <laughs> to me. Yeah. But, yeah. but there you go. They got their win. I'm sure they're happy about that. Um, yeah. A real confidence boost in one of the FA Cup for them there, wasn't it? A 7-2 win over Whitby. Um, that's the kind of game we could have done with. I know yeah. there's a worry that, you know, oh, potentially banana skin. But actually, if you can go and batter a team in the FA Cup in the first round, it, it can give you that little lift sometimes, can't it? Yeah. Well, I was with, when I was in Marine last year, we played mm. Whitby. 
Um, and the fact that they managed to get two goals against Bristol Rovers is actually quite encouraging for us because they mm. were turgid last year. Um, so the fact they managed to get a couple against them uh, well, helps we'll, us, especially with our attacking woes at the moment. We will be mentioning one of those goal scorers for Whitby in the uh, X-Blues section because it was a, a play who was one through us. Um, yeah, in terms of stuff for them, I mean, like I said... We sort of mentioned all the players already, but some of the players they brought in the summer, some real quality, wasn't there? Like I said, George Friend, real experience at the back, isn't it? And um, Jack Hunt's in there as well, actually. Jack Hunt, who I wonder if he still has nightmares coming to Bruton Park from uh, Francois Zoko a decade ago. Just tore him inside out in that Huddersfield game, I think it was. He was, um, was it Sheffield Wednesday? I can't, no, it was Huddersfield, wasn't it? Yes, he was playing for then. He did not enjoy his day that day, I think it's fair to say. Jack Hunt. Um, Anything else to really cover for this? Not really in terms of Brissori, so let's talk about the referee. Martin Woods from Lancashire for this one. It's his second season as an EFL referee. He started out in 2022. Um, he's taken charge of 12 games so far this season, handing out 42 yellows and two red cards. Last season, he handed out 99 yellows and five red cards in 27 games. And the last United game he took charge of was the 2-0 win over Newport County earlier this year, where Guy and Huntington were booked that day. Fairly straight before referee. Nothing particularly controversial there at the moment. Well, Tim, head-to-head-wise, it's the 39th meeting between the two sides. United have won 14. Nine have been a draw, and the Gas have won 15. In terms of games at Brunton Park against them, though, we've not lost in our last six games against uh, Rovers at Brunton Park. Um, the last defeat was in the 2005-06 season. Paul Simpson was manager back then. I think Alan O'Brien scored our opening goal that day. You, you will be too young to remember that, Adam. I was. <laughs> so, yeah, Alan O'Brien, who we had on loan from Newcastle, and he, and he went through on goal at about 100 miles an hour, and you're like, wow, this lad's quick. He's going to be good. And he did nothing else from the remaining five games he was on loan, which tells you what you need to know. Um, I do remember the last game we played against them at Brunton Park, which was the season, obviously, they got promoted. Yes. And I was sat in the newly named Andrew Jenkins stand. Yes. And just watching Elliot Anderson drive at, uh, well, I don't think it would have been Finn back. It probably would have been Ellis. Kelvin, Kelly Miller, maybe? No, no, because it was... Oh, actually... Yeah, it would have been Kelvin Miller back then, I think. Kelvin Miller. Mate, oh, you might be right, actually. Really, I think, I think Whoever the right-back was. Yeah. Scary times. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he was a... He was a pretty good player for them, wasn't he? I think it's fair to say. And he's obviously getting games in the Premier League now for, for Newcastle. So yeah. He's done really well for Champions himself. League as well. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, overall form-wise, uh, that's only 12th in the last six games form table. So, around about where they are on the table, actually. So, yeah, they're, they're pretty... Solid and consistent, but they should be doing better with the quality of squad they've got. Um, United are actually 15th, so they're not that much worse in terms of form, to be fair. Um, the form we've got in our last six games, we're picking up seven points. That's the kind of form that will probably keep us up at the end of the season. So we kind of yeah. just need to keep ourselves steady and not, not go and accept that we're going to probably lose a couple of games here and there. But not going on like four or five game runs where we're not getting a result. That, that's the key thing for us at the moment. Get, be steady. Because, you know, any expectation that we're going to go on three or four game winning runs is just not realistic, is it, at the moment? Yeah, I think also the problem is, well, not the problem, but the just sort of confusing part of it is the fact that we're getting results against good teams and then teams in and around us, we've just been absolutely hopeless. Yeah. I'd almost yeah. rather it be the other way around and feel all yeah. right about it. Yeah, it, 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 it's quite frustrating, to say the least. Um in terms of play for both, uh, Dan hasn't had a chance to record one for this. Uh, I'm not going to do an in-depth one, but I'll, I'll give a shout-out to Nick Anderton, 
Uh, he obviously had to retire from playing now, sadly, because of his uh, after his battle with cancer. But I understand he's going to be at the game this weekend, isn't he? So that that'll be yeah. a lovely little touch to, to see Nick there. Um, good servant to both clubs, especially to Bristol Rovers. You know, obviously a promotion winning player with them. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about United then. Injury wise, uh, as we mentioned, Callum Guy's out for nine to ten months. Coyote about five to six weeks, I think now before he's back. I think he's back training with us now, which is good news. At least. Yeah. Yeah, he's back training with us now, but I think he said still end of December is when yeah. he's expected back. Yeah, it's just one of those ones you slowly work them back, isn't it? And I think Edmondson got back a little bit sooner than expected, didn't he? So hopefully maybe Coyote can do that as well. Yeah, that's, that's well, with those injuries as well, it's like you, you can obviously build up the fitness, but you can't really do any sort of contact stuff yeah. for a long time just yeah. to allow the shoulders to heal because yeah. it's an area that will just, it just happens so often. Keep, if it keeps recurring. Keeps re- yeah, like I said, keeps reoccurring. Yeah, absolutely. Um, other ones. Paul Huntington back in training now, and I understand he'll be available this weekend. Um, Jack Ellis is not too far off, we think, uh, and Taylor Chart has a couple of weeks, maybe. I think he's back out on the grass at the very least. So that's mm-hmm. good news. Um, yes, so what, what do we do with this one then, Adam? Because I, I, my feeling is, this might be controversial with you, because I think a lot of people say, oh, Mellish and Novella done well at the back together. I'd be tempted to go back to the back three again and bring Huntington back in. For just for a little bit of experience in there, especially in a game like this with such attacking quality they've got, I'd be very tempted to do that. And as a result, I think you can maybe play your midfield of Mox and McGeek and, and Gibson then possibly. Um, yeah. And then look at who you play in attack with, with Garner for that. What, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think it'd probably be a sensible decision to do that. It was something that I thought might have happened when we played against Portsmouth just because of the attacking mm. qualities they had. Um, and Bristol Rovers certainly have capable attackers as well um, to bring in Huntington just to provide that extra bit of uh, bit of cover at the back. Yeah. But it's, he's, I mean, obviously this is probably the first time he'll be uh, available, so it's not like we really had the chance to do that. I mean, they could have obviously brought in Barkley or or yeah. Whelan, but I think it also just alleviates a bit of the pressure from the midfield in terms of we can play less midfielders yeah, uh, which might not necessarily be as good for the performance but we just don't have the options I've, so I think, yeah, it's a t- yeah it's a tough one but I think it wouldn't surprise me if Huntington came back in and also wouldn't surprise me if Gibson still sort of played on the wing and we just played a two in midfield and mm. asked Maguire and Gibson to sort of form a four in midfield in defence yeah. sort of like a 5-4-1 I, I, I if you're going to go free at the back, I'd be inclined to sort of drop Gibson back into that central midfield role again because mm, I think he can right. be quite good then. It's frustrating because he's, he's been quite creative when he's been out on the wing and he's scored a few goals, but I, I just feel like just because of the pure plays we've got available in numbers, I don't think we might have much choice in this. And Butterworth then drops to the bench as a result, I feel. And who do you play with Garner? This, I'll ask you a question about Sean Maguire here because I think you can see that he's got quality and he does bring a few things to the attack. But what is it, one goal now in 14, 15 games? I don't expect him to be like a, a one and two striker. But I kind of feel like we're not really getting enough out of him at the moment. I don't know what you think. Yeah. Well, I was going to, I was going to put, I was mean to put something out on uh, Twitter not long after the mm. Leighton Orient game, just looking at the quality in our squad and sort of in an ideal, not completely ideal, somewhat realistic, but ideal scenario. Who are you keeping from this squad? And I was umming and ahhing about Maguire because 
he's got quality and I think through those first few weeks when we looked hopeless up front he was a bit mm. of a spark in terms of you can see what he was trying to yeah. do but the other players couldn't see it and they weren't wasn't really linking up but now he, he seems to have slowed down a bit for him he just doesn't look as neat on the ball maybe the runs he's making aren't as as uh, noticeable yeah so yeah with him a, a game out of the starting 11 wouldn't surprise me and I don't think it necessarily do him you know much hurt but it's the, the question again of who do you bring in you know do you trust Plange do you give him that game and then bring Maguire on I just yeah, yeah. it's a it's a tough one even for us let alone for Simo yeah Simo clearly is a bit on a bit of a down with him at the moment but I put Edmonton in I, I, I'm not coming to my Plange at all I'd, but I'd be having him going back in January no doubt I wouldn't even second guess that Um for me, Edmondson, he's frustrating and it's frustrating that he hasn't lived up to the promise he showed at times last season. But I kind of feel like playing up front there with, with, with Garner, let Garner be the one who stays in the middle and takes the battering and beats the target man and allow Edmondson that freedom to drift wide a bit because he is good in the ball. He's a good dribbler. He can drag players out into wide areas. I would do that personally and, and play Edmondson and Garner because and, and, he also has that height as well, which offers something extra on set pieces too. That's what I'd potentially look at doing. I don't think Simo will, because I don't think Simo's particularly convinced by Edmo at the moment, but just just to change things up a little bit, as much as anything, just to, to try and try something different, because I feel like it's okay saying, oh, you know, the players out of the squad aren't doing enough at the moment, but the ones in there aren't really doing enough. That, that, that's, that's the problem as well. So yeah. yeah, I definitely see what you mean, because Edmonton does like to drift out wide, which is... Yeah annoying because of his physical attributes yeah. and you look at the goals he was scoring in pre-season most of them were between the posts yeah. but he just doesn't seem to that's not his he's preferred way forward, of playing he? He likes yeah. to play like a modern forward yeah I, th- yeah, I don't think it'll happen personally no. um, I, I, think I don't right. think he's got the trust in him but I can certainly see why that would potentially help especially with um, with Garner through the middle but I think, yeah. you know, the counter-argument to it would be, obviously, you don't have the height of Maguire, yeah. but he's a better technical footballer, and if you want to strike, yeah. you can drift out wide. He's probably the better option. Yeah, I, I kind of feel with Edmonton as well. I think once, if, if, if he can get it, if he can somehow just get a goal, I don't know, care how, I think that would give him a real confidence boost and you'd see a different player. I think the fact that he hasn't got that goal at this level yet, he's, he's probably playing on him a little bit, and that might be why he's, he's struggling too. So, um, so yeah, um Let's obviously Jack Arnold will be coming back and we think as well for for Jack Robinson, we should say in there. So that, that wouldn't surprise us at all. Um let's talk predictions and what you're going for for this one. I mean as everyone who's listening will be able to tell by the tone of this podcast, as we mentioned earlier, it's it's not a we're not in a good state at the moment. I feel like the club is at a position where we've just got to ride it out until the new year. And then once the new year hits we can there's a bit more energy. There's something to look yeah. forward to. Whereas now, it's just about getting through games. Um, I'm going to go with a draw. Okay. I think it'll be 1-1. I think they've had a lot of draws over recent weeks. Um, yeah. I don't see us having much attacking edge. I think we should probably go back to that five at the back just to try and grind out results for now. Um, so yeah, 1-1 is what I'll go with. You're going to go for goal scorer. Uh, I'll go with Garner again because in those yeah. sorts of games, he's the one who's likely to nick something. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to go... I was inclined to go 1-1 one, one as well, but I know, I'm, you know what, I'm going to be going to try and be a little bit more confident and I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. Um, I don't care how we do it, how we scab it. I'd just be happy with it. Um, and goals, I'm going to go for a goal for... Uh, Owen Moxon is due one and Sam Lavelle just needs to, we need a defender to score a goal that's something actually that is really frustrating this season not a single defender has scored a goal and is that as much set pieces out as good quality I don't know but it just feels like we need one from a defender so Sam Lavelle to score the winning goal um, right let's have predictions from Dan and Mike here's Dan's prediction time for the tide to turn and uh, a solid 2-1 form win for the Blues I'll go for goal scorers there. Jordan Gibson to match again to give a, a finger to not being selected as player of the month. And we'll go Sean Maguire's view one. Two one blues. With the, the quietest recording ever. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to increase the volume on that when I actually do the edit for this <laughs> because it, for those who you'll hear it quite clear hopefully once I've done that but for us we could barely hear what you're saying there but it was a 2-1 win Gibson and Maguire to score the goals uh, let's hear Mike's prediction I'm going to go for a 1-0 win with a goal from Joe Garner oh, pretty straightforward 1-0 win so he, he thinks we'll keep a clean sheet and Garner will score you think we won't keep a clean sheet but Garner will score so Similar predictions in that sense. Right, yeah. uh, let's wrap things up now then with a uh, X-Files roundup it's two weeks away so there's quite a bit to fit in Quite a few interesting ones in there as well, I think it's fair to say. Uh, back to the weekend of the Cambridge game. Um, James Taverney was a, a busy... In fact, he's a busy boy throughout this update. I think he's got one in every single one of them. Um, he uh, managed to miss and score a penalty in the same game as Rangers beat Hearts 2-1 in the league uh, on that weekend. Andy Cook um, scored a goal for Bradford, but they lost 2-1 at Sutton United. They finally appointed a huge successor there, haven't they? Graham Alexander... On Bradford, yeah. On Bradford, I think you might have seen it with obviously the news that Callum Guy got injured. Some Bradford fan commented underneath it. Uh, I can't remember exactly what they said, yeah, but basically being happy that, that it's just I know you know football rivalries and things like that, but that's just ridiculous. He, he wasn't even. I know he's an ex Bradford player, but I think he was quite well liked by the Bradford fans. It's a very weird one that one. So it's kind of. But I did enjoy all the replies of people basically just sending videos from the playoff semi-final game or the <laughs> yeah. final, just to remind him that they're in League 2 and we're in League 1. Yeah, for now, at least, anyway. Um, Jack Bridge, he scored from the penalty spot for Southend United. They drew 1-1 at Boreham Wood. Max Hunt, he got a brace for Buxton, but they drew 2-2 at home with Rush Hall Olympic. One of the great team names, that I think it's fair to say. Martin Smith, he scored for Southfields in their 1-1 draw at Brackley Town. George Glendon. He's back in the goals at the moment. He scored for Chester in their 1-0 win at Curzon Ashton. Mark Cullen. That is a name I've not heard for a while. I think it's fair to say. He was, he was a big disappointment, wasn't he? I think, you know, you did an interesting article about uh, big flops. And I wouldn't put him as a big flop, but he was a disappointment to say at least, wasn't he, when we signed yeah. him? That's, That's nice. one thing with working for Marine last year hmm. was the amount of former Carlo players who were now playing at that level, who you yeah. think have probably retired. Just, yeah given up football maybe gone to coaching or something like that oh, yeah, but no, oh, there's there. so <laughs> many of them it's unbelievable yeah. and we've got a couple more coming up in a sec actually yeah so Mark Cullen he scored for Bamber Bridge but they lost 5-1 at Stourbridge in the FA Trophy in the same competition Nicky Adams and Luke Joyce 
uh, scored in the shootout for Radcliffe as they beat FC United and Manchester 5-4 in penalties after a 2-2 draw in normal time. And uh, and a name that, because when Dan put this in, he didn't he doesn't put down what clubs they are, so I have to go and check sometimes. I think he presumes that I know them all. I didn't realise he'd left um, Kelty Hearth, Callum Higginbotham. He scored for Tranent Juniors in their 7-0 win over East Kilbride in the Scottish FA Cup second round. Great time of the year, this when all the Scottish uh, Cup games start appearing with these wonderfully named teams that they've gotten off the border. Trenant Juniors, I should say, are not like a kids team or anything. Over in, in Scotland, they have junior football, basically, which is not... It's like a level of non-league football, but it's not connected to the Scottish football pyramid, is it? But um, you, you get some very good teams at that level, to be fair, and good players. So, yeah, great stuff. Into midweek, James Tavernier scored a penalty again for Rangers, this time in a 5-0 win at Dundee. Lucas Jensen scored an own goal for Lincoln, putting the ball in his own net uh, in their 2-0 defeat to Oxford United. Did you see this goal, Adam? Oh, no, I don't think so. It was a, it was a cross from the uh, from the right, and it was a fairly straightforward one. And he basically just completely asses it up and, and ends up almost throwing it into his own net, trying to catch the ball. Not, not a good own goal, to say the least. Uh, Jack Marriott, he got a brace for Fleetwood Town in their dramatic 3-3 draw with Blackpool. I think he's... he's a, Second goal was in the 90, in 91st minute, I think. It was a screamer from about 20 yards. Really good goal for them. Um, you'd imagine there's a good chance he's going to leave them in January, though, isn't there? You'd think there's probably going to be clubs yeah, sniffing around for him. Uh, on to last weekend, the FA Cup weekend. Uh, Oliver Norwood. Surprisingly, don't mention him as often as you'd think, do, do we? Um, <coughs> excuse me. He scored a, uh, a dramatic late penalty for Sheffield United in their 2-1 victory over Wolves. Uh, Anyone who watched Match of the Day, this was a very soft penalty to get given, wasn't it? I think it's unbelievably soft. I feel so bad for Wolves. They've had four or five rent decisions go against them this year. I I think Fabio Silva actually pulling out. He pulls out the tackle in time. And um, and yeah, just ends up... The lad throws himself down and gets the penalty. Really frustrating for them, but there you go. Uh, James Tavernier once again involved. uh, Penalty and a goal um, for... uh, uh, Rangers, uh, his third and fourth goals in the last three games. Um, one was obviously a penalty to mention, and one was a stunning free kick into the top corner. If you haven't seen this, brilliant goal. And they came in Rangers' 3 1 win over Hart in the Scottish League Cup semi final. Tom White scored a goal for Barrow in their 3 1 win at uh, Northampton Town in the FA Cup. Rod McDonald scored uh, for Harrogate Town in their 5 1 win at uh, Marine, who you used to work for, Adam. Uh, in the FA Cup, good, good, good win for Harrogate. That I'm so frustrated that they got Marine in the cup. I was really, really hoping it would be Carlisle, but just our luck. But there you go. Uh, Connor Simpson, he he was the one who scored the goal for Whitby in their seven-two defeat at Bristol Rovers in the FA Cup. Gavin Riley scored for Queen of the South in their one-one draw against Falkirk, and then finally Cameron Salkeld scored a goal for Darlington in their two-one win at Farsley. That's uh, what say Farsley Celtic. Uh, On to other news, Nigel Pearson. He's been sacked after a couple of years as manager at Bristol City. I don't think they're particularly struggling, are they? I think he's just... No. The expectations are quite high there for them to try and get up eventually. Yeah, it's point. quite harsh. Um, I mean, and obviously they've gone to a point, Liam Manning, who was the mm. Oxford United uh, manager. A lot of people will probably be thinking that Oxford fans will feel quite aggrieved because I think he's been sacked by MK Dons and then he's been given a chance at Oxford and been given a big budget and obviously got yeah. them playing decent football um, and left at the first opportunity. Yeah. Um, 
but he had a buyout clause in his contract, so it's yeah. not like he could have would have had much or too much for saying it anyway. But I think it's harsh on Nigel Pearson. I don't think they were doing too badly, especially when they lost Alex Scott in the summer and spent yeah. none of the money. No, I mean that that's going to affect any team, isn't it? And I think you know there's been a lot of talk about George Tanner potentially leaving them as well, which again is another one that could make us a bit of money at some point mm. in the near future, possibly. Because there is George Branthwaite is going to make us an absolute bowler. Oh, he, he's been phenomenal for Everton in, in recent weeks and getting a lot of praise of matches there, which is really good to see as well. I'm sure you probably had this when you were younger, but I yeah. played. He only played one year of like not club football, but like before he went to Carly United. Like when I played for Stanix, he played for Abbey Town. In one year of football, my mum always remembered them having two massive centre-backs. And the fact that him, who played against me, is now like in contention to be playing for England, is oh, just... Um, yeah, and I'm sat here doing a brilliant podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, such you, different positions. Yeah, I mean, I, do, I think the nearest I got was playing football with uh, with Conor Tinian occasionally, who's, you know, his brother was in the year below me, I think at school, or two years below, I can't remember, but his other brother was in my brother's year, so yeah, Conor Tinian's the nearest they get. He was a lot younger than me, and a lot better than me, I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah, so uh, other bits, Derek Asamoah. He has got himself a new club at the age of 42. He signed for Brightling Sea Regent FC from New Salamis. He scored quite a lot of goals for them, wasn't he? I think quite a low level in non-league football around the London area. Yeah, but, did he yeah. not score a hat-trick? I feel like he, I saw something that he posted the about scoring hat Yeah, that was what it was. Yeah, they could qualifying for them, yeah. So he's moved on to this new club. Um, fair play, he's still playing at that age. He was playing with his son, wasn't he, I think, at um, New Salamis last season. But his son's yeah. now obviously at uh, Fleetwood Town in there. Uh, B team set up there. Um, Sonny Hilton, he's got himself a new club fine. He signed for Bootle. He obviously based it, not not Bootle in Cumbria, we should say, you know, because I know there's a Bootle out in West Cumbria, but it's no, Bootle in um, in Liverpool. Or oh, that's not Liverpool, actually. It's in, it's Merseyside. in Merseyside. Yeah, they don't like to think of themselves as Liverpool based, some of them, I think it's fair to say. But yeah, he signed for Bootle. I mean, it's quite a drop down, this, isn't it, really? Yeah, well, did you see Chris Lumsden's comments about it afterwards? Yeah. Saying, you know, basically in, in reference to the loan players that we've currently got. Yeah. Because Sonny Hilton, the, the year before he joined us on loan, was the Premier League Two Player of the Year or yeah, nominated for it. Yeah, he was nominated for it. And he's now playing for, I mean, no disrespect to, for, uh, to Bootle, but he's playing for Bootle. A uh, level below we, Marine and Workington, basically. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so yeah. He, I mean, he's playing considerably lower level than Kai Nugent. Yeah, which exactly. really speaks volumes. Yeah, it, sh- it shows you the difference, doesn't it? Um, a couple of other little bits: uh, Connor Hamill, uh, Keelan Leslie, and Matty Bell have all left Workington. I think a couple of them have gone to Penrith on uh, dual registrations. So I think technically Workington do still yeah, yeah. have them, but I think yeah, I think Keelan Leslie has actually left permanently. I think he basically wants to go somewhere. He's going to play a bit more football, so I don't know where he's going to turn up. But um, but yeah, the other two have gone on dual registration to Penrith. Um, and uh, the only other bit is something that broke while we were recording is that um, Jared Branthway and um, James Trafford have both been called up to the England under-21 squad again. So, yeah, good good stuff for them both. And uh, that's it, Adam. I think we've, we've covered everything we can. You know, we, we dragged out as much as we could out of that dreadful couple of games to cover. But hopefully this weekend, back home at Brunton Park, playing with a bit of confidence, we can get a result. That's what we're hoping for, aren't we? Yeah, of course. And I think also with next month, the amount of close, I say close, Closer away games we've got. Yeah. I know, I think I'll probably be going to, I think, four or something like that. It's four, it's, Fleetwood, it's Blackpool, 
um, Wigan. Wigan, yeah. So I think that that'll help as well. So annoying that the three of the best away trips of the season are going to be in December as well. You'd want at least yeah. one or two of them in August or like April or May or, or you know March or something like that. But but there you go. That's the that's the football fixtures computer for you. Um, Adam, thank you very much for joining me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having um, us back so, again. No problem at all. Um, we'll be back next week to do a preview of the Barnsley game. That, that's a, another potential good one. Over a thousand tickets sold for that, so hopefully we'll have a really good following there. But um, until then, there's only one more thing to say, and that's uh, thanks for listening and up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.